Hey, this is Romancing the Zone, a podcast about a podcast about boys playing tabletop games. I'm Nell Bailey. And I'm Ann Kern. Let's roll. Uh, 17. Ooh. Solid seventeen. Me and me and uh, and was Clint got a seventeen? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was it. Uh, there's lots of good stuff in this episode. Yeah, before we roll into it, yeah. like I, the theme has really grown on me. Like I, I liked it to begin with, yes. obviously, but man, it's so pretty though. It's so sweet. It's really what pretty. a beautiful little song. Yeah, it's just this like it's a. See, there's sort of this question about whether or not podcasts should have theme music, and most of them do, I would say, or most of the ones that I listen to do, but yeah, like that moment of zen, though, I appreciate it. Yeah, I think just overall, it really reestablishes this new setting that we're in, but still yeah. almost feels a little reminiscent of the sweetness that we got from like the Amnesty theme. Yeah. All of these shows feel like they could be packaged together. Yeah, I think having, you know, obviously consistent creators, but having- yeah. A consistent composer is is yeah. helpful. Like having having it be Griffin, um, absolutely, and, and having that kind of continuity of. But it, yeah, I, I think you're right. Like it's 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 continuous, but it also helps us set up the universe that we're in now. So like you immediately yes. know, oh okay, so now I have these associations with this specific place, mm-hmm. this fantastical school. <laughs> we're good morning. We're gonna wake up our first day of classes, and <laughs> here it is, our little interdimensional feline friend. Poor, poor Argo, terrified oh to be woken up this way. Yeah, he went very, I wasn't sure how he was going to play it at first. He got, he went with the please don't hurt my moneymaker route. Yeah. Have you ever had a cat do this? Uh, sleep near your face? Yeah, like you wake up and there's a cat on you. I don't think so. If it, if yes, then it would have been when I was little because I'm now allergic to cats as an adult. Yeah, so am I. But I, I once, I have had this, this exact scenario play out. Yeah. Uh, because I, I uh, had a slumber party at a friend's house, um, <sighs> like ages ago, like in middle school. Yeah, and, yeah. And uh, she week. had a cat who I had, I think, up until that point, never seen because it was uh. a formerly feral cat that they had rescued that oh, okay. hated, hated everybody. Like a kid yeah. clearly, you know, been abused. And yeah. just hated hated everyone except uh, the father. He was the only okay. one. Um, and I woke up at her house, like, feeling like there was something heavy on me. And I opened oh. my eyes, <laughs> and there's the cat staring straight at me, oh lying my on my chest with his face <laughs> in my face. And I'm like, I have been told that this cat has aggressively attacked her brother. Oh um, no. I mean, you know, because cats are, they're cats. Um, yeah. The brother was messing with it a little bit and like trying to pet it. And okay, it so it wasn't just out of no, nowhere. No, it wasn't like out of nowhere. But, but I was terrified. I was like, I don't, I don't, I've never had a cat. I don't know what you're supposed to do. Yeah. Um, so I, I find this situation very re- relatable. The cat yes. did not attack me. The cat laid on my chest, decided to start kneading and purring. So apparently <laughs> I was the only other person that the cat was willing to tolerate. You were the chosen one. Uh, and then eventually it did get up and leave so that it, I could get out of bed. It went on its way. That is the thing. <laughs> you got to let the cat move. This whole opening is really, I think it again further sets the scene like the music did but even for these characters the fact that we have uh fitzroy on his bunk bed that he's made for himself mm-hmm. our dear furbolg is on the floor i'm just maybe i'll just start calling him dear i don't know we'll find out <laughs> argo's the only one who's like yeah this bed is fine i'll sleep in it as is yeah but even uh, this little uh cat interruption it was it was good spooky cat content all around <laughs> i also i also very much enjoyed clint being so excited about his stealth stats i think he's so used to yeah. being bad at things he's like whoa 
That was very wholesome. Oh, he's killing it in this one. Yes. I'm excited to see more of what Argo can do. Yeah, yeah. And luckily we have Gary here to help us. Yeah, shoo the cat away. <laughs> it's fine. The magic spell. Shoo. <laughs> and it disappears. It doesn't just mm-hmm. leave. It disappears. And the fact that it's like non-corporeal, it almost seems like. Yeah. Yeah. It's not yeah. quite all the way there even when it's there. Yeah. So apparently it's just the school's cat. Yeah, I think um, I think Gary says uh, one of the castle cats, plural, implying that there's more mm. than one, which is interesting. So this will be like our Heathcliff and the Cadillac cats of the castle. <laughs> just a little gang. Yeah, I'll be I'll be interested to find out whether it's just flavor text, which would be fine, or whether it's going to have some sort of plot purpose at some point in the future. Yeah. I'm not I'm not sure if Travis knows yet. That's sort of one of those things That's you, true. you may wait to, to let it expand. Right. See if you want to play with it or not. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. so far we've opened two episodes with this this cat. Mm-hmm. Or at least one of these cats. Yeah. I just realized we never mentioned that Brittany is in here. She has vanished oh my God. like this cat. She jumped <laughs> She jumped into an interdimensional rift and we did not comment on it at all. <laughs> we didn't at all. That is exactly what happened. We turned, we were like, B, do you, and she was just gone. The last thing you saw was her just disappearing through a rift. That is true. Obviously, we are down a person. Brittany's not with us. She is with, well, I guess by the time the show comes out, she will be with me here wow. at our sister's house so it's gonna be a bit of a sister's week but she's traveling right now so she can't be on the call doing the show with us but by the time this episode comes out she'll be here yeah and we can't we can't get uh derek's hot takes on these these cat discussions either unfortunately yeah he would have had a hot take on this cat he would have had a hot take on a certain name later that they try to give <laughs> to our dear fearball <laughs> Dear Bulg. Well, I'm only sorry because she's not here to uh, to talk about Griffin bringing up Tumblr, really enjoying this handsomeness conversation. <laughs> it's or true. Battle she's between our expert. Yeah. <laughs> between uh, between Clint and Griffin about who's the most handsome. Who's gonna out handsome the other? It's not just Tumblr enjoying it, Griffin. <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> We're all enjoying it. <laughs> Everybody listening to the show is like, yeah, I'm into th- I'm into this. See this handsy boy competition. See how it goes. <gasps> Yeah, and you never know. There might have to be like a like a model off at some point in the future. Motherfucking walk fun. off. Yes, I'm here for this. So before we go to breakfast, I want to mention yeah. something that that Clint threw out kind of randomly in this scene uh, about when they were sort of briefly brought up, like why they were at the school in the first place. And obviously, we're going to find out more about Justin's character's tragic, apparently past in at some point in the future. Yeah. But uh, and we we kind of know why Fitzroy is there, but. This is the first that we've heard really about why Argo is there, which is that apparently he recently decided that he wants to be the sidekick of someone named the Commodore, which I thought yes. was very, very interesting. You wonder, like, something must have happened. Like, something happened in his life. Did something happen in somebody else's life? Uh, is the Commodore secretly his father? Who knows? Oh. Um, I, I don't, well, or his mother. We don't know. Oh, uh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> is the Commodore a parent? Or do, does Argo just love the Commodore? Yeah. Yeah. But I thought I thought the fact that he used the word recently because that seems like right that's the key right because that seems like something that would make sense that the basic backstory might be oh you know I've loved Superman since I was a kid and I want to be Superman psychic or something sure. like that um, but to say recently seems intriguing to me yeah 
Again, I've been, well, the last time we did the show, I was six episodes into My Hero Academia. Now I've just been shotgunning it all week. So I'm <laughs> way further into My Hero Academia. And that's, yeah, that's the, always usually the story. I've loved All Might all my life. So I want to be just like him. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this term recently, it could be something suddenly happened. Or even if um, Argo was kind of wayward, maybe, and yeah. didn't really know what he wanted to do. And then it was like, oh, I saw the Commodore. And it was like, that's. That's Mm -hmm. it. That's what I want to do. I don't know. Still hinting at those uh, deep waters below the tip of the iceberg here with these new characters. Yeah, especially for our water boy, Mm -hmm. Argo. (laughs) Yeah, we learn about a couple of them on our way to breakfast. We also learn also within the first day at school, people have just been destroying things, trying to find secret passages. So there are definitely (laughs) some secret passages. We just don't know where they are yet. Yeah, I was going to ask you what your take (laughs) was on that of whether um, the categorical denial of any secret passages meant that there were definitely actually no secret passages and that this was just a dunk on Harry Potter or whether at some point in the future there is going to be a really important secret passage. I definitely think it's the latter. My my note says there are definitely secret passages (laughs) in this school. I feel like we've been through this song and dance so many times mm-hmm. now in the adventure zone that everything travis says i go that's going to be important later this cat's <laughs> going to be important later there's going to be a, a secret passage somewhere later argo has yeah. a lime for breakfast that has a key in it and i was like that lime key is going to be important later it's going to come up again i'm just waiting for it yeah i mean i i i think um I think that that's that's funny that that's just kind of how we're wired now that we just can't that we're just we think everything is important whether it is or not put it on the murder board so you know that certainly gives them an gives them an opportunity to really play with our expectations Uh, we will be toyed with although Travis does strike me as the he strikes me as the secret passage enthusiast type absolutely there are the people who've wanted who've always wanted to have a bookcase that opens up and there's you know like a door there for for absolutely no reason like and then there are people who don't so yeah he's definitely in the first guy. camp yeah <laughs> <laughs> there's gonna be a secret passage here somewhere we just have to look harder and break more stuff that's my stance on it you know the way travis is laying out all of this it's like yeah we're mm-hmm. suspicious of everything but also speaking of the way trav is handling the story you can hear him think breakfast will be a very quick affair yeah and they're just gonna quickly grab a bite but i i'm glad that griffin wanted some character time yeah. And it actually made me wonder, you know, having Griff now as a player, I wonder if this is him being like, I wanted to do more of this. Yeah. Or I wanted my players to do more of this when I was the DM. So I'm going to initiate more interaction between us now that I'm a player. I don't know. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's a that's a possibility. I, I mean, I also think for, for Griffin and for Travis especially – this has kind of opened some new doors in terms of their ability to be in a fantasy world, you know? So like Travis has this, this opportunity to initially say something pretty basic from a story standpoint of like, well, you know, there's breakfast, it's fruit, it's nice. And then to be able to expand that. And, you know, like, I think you can sort of hear him realizing in the moment, like, wait, I can have everything I've ever wanted. This can be the perfect breakfast that I've, you know, every time I've gone downstairs at a hotel and I've wanted it to be beautiful. It's a beautiful breakfast spread. Here it is. (laughs) It's like the boulangerie in uh, Little France in Epcot, which is just (laughs) full of delicious pastries and just beautiful, tasty treats. Yeah. Yeah. And and then uh, Griffin has the opportunity to use that um, 
to make it about his character as well with this whole bit about how he needs there to be a crepe master. <laughs> he needs a crepe master. <laughs> and it's his... specifically sweet crepes. <laughs> oh my god, his voice work, yes. You know, and it was in that moment when we learned so much about Fitzroy that he likes sweet crepes and he's mm. a failure. And I said, you know what? Same. I'm with you. <laughs> you and me, Fitz. <laughs> He is he is a very relatable if fancy boy. Yes. I think I think we all we all feel that that Sometimes combination. Sometimes I feel like a fancy boy too. Yeah. I totally get it. I'm vibing with this character. Yeah. I could I could really go for some crepes now too. Oh honestly. My goodness. Every time and I meet me to in it, Orlando. Like... Let's go. We'll go to the crepery. <laughs> Well, and I also liked, um, we, we kind of skimmed past it, but um, speaking of Griffin and Fitzroy, that him initiating the character interaction was to apologize yeah. to his friends. I thought that was really nice, too. I feel like we get some nice softening of Fitzroy in this mm-hmm. episode. Yeah, that surprised me. I mean, I it was a pleasant surprise, certainly, but I, yes. I didn't, I don't think that I would have thought that he would do that, because I think you could have played no. this character um a lot more bristly maybe is that fair like at the beginning yeah i think i think that he could have left it that way and then let it let it um let it soften over time but yes the thing is that i think it's it's very easy for players to want to be antagonistic and being antagonistic can be really not fun for you or for anybody else who's playing with you sure so this kind of this slight course correction uh is probably going to be helpful for them overall and is definitely something that deepens his character i think i totally agree and even the way he played it as in like we've had a night at the castle here's our Mm -hmm. first day of classes and you can even imagine it as him having had the night before to kind of maybe be like, I shouldn't have said those things. Uh, I shouldn't yeah. have come across the way I did. I'm going to try to make it right in the morning. Yeah. That's completely believable to me. I really like it. Yeah, especially since we know now that he doesn't really sleep. He just sort of yeah, he meditates. meditates. <laughs> Which they like sort of touched on with Taco, uh, but it never... Yeah. It just didn't really come up. They didn't really sleep in balance. Right. We never really had them. I mean, they had their first shared room. (laughs) Were they with Robbie? Was that in the... Uh, Yeah, I think that's right. Oh, my goodness. It's been so long. (laughs) And then they all had their own rooms. And yeah, we didn't really ever spend too much time having slumber parties and whatnot with those boys. Definitely should have, though. More slumber parties, always. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I think as much as him being antagonistic would have said something about his character i think him taking a moment and taking a step back and being like that's not the impression i want to give also says a lot about him yeah and it's very uh, that's very healthy to like have a character that's willing to say i kind of messed up and i want to try again and and i mean and it's very believable in the world too that you you lie there and you think oh I'm going to spend like five years with these people. Uh-huh, for sure. <laughs> um, these are my built-in friends. Yeah. That you kind of have to, you have to have people to, to rely navigate. on. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And the other important thing is that it doesn't take away from the fact that he still obviously doesn't really want to be here and yeah. isn't thrilled with the circumstances. Again, let's, <laughs> we go back to the crepes. Uh, but as far as the people around him, as far as these two boys that he's rooming with, he wants that to at least go as well as it can. Mm-hmm. I like it. And we have this whole conversation about them sort of building a party, building building this camaraderie. And now they're immediately going to go their separate ways because they're all taking different Let's... electives. Yes. Time for class. <laughs> First up, blame taking with Revel. Yeah, I want to I want to start this this scene of aside from the fact that this class is amazing. This is a hilarious concept, oh which I am it's in love with. Genius. 
But Travis was doing such a good job switching between voices. Like, he walks into this room and he's like, okay, and there's all these people there. And I'm like, hey, Travis, do you know they're all you? (laughs) This seems seems like something that, you know, obviously it was going to be an issue, but um, it seems ambitious. Uh, Yeah, I was was, intrigued to see how he would take it. Yeah, he was really crushing it between, you know, like this whole conversation basically with himself at the beginning of this this test that they set up. We touched on it last time, but again, great job, Trav. Yeah, I mean, this is a huge increase in his sort of personal responsibility, and mm-hmm. he has certainly taken it in stride. Yeah, and he's having fun with it. He he does seem to be, yeah. He's setting up situations for himself to be like, okay, and then I'll play this person, and then I'll play this person. <laughs> and I did wonder, and kind of worry for a second, I was like, are we going to listen to Trap <laughs> do five <laughs> other voices before we get to Clinton? Which isn't a read, it was just me going, oh, all right, are we yeah. going to the whole class? But no, no, just the first two. And then we get Argo's blame taking, which, again, a surprise to no one. Clint just acing it with this character moment for Argo. Strong performance roles in game and in life. Yes, that's exactly it. (laughs) I was picturing this scene with Argo with like a spotlight on him and sad violin music playing. Oh, that's perfect. (laughs) That's super dramatic anime moment. Yes. Got a little bit of a sparkly tear in the corner of his eyes. Mm-hmm. I love it. That's it. That's the scene. Which I guess in hindsight is a little unfair since we do learn at the end of class that uh, part of the reason he was very successful is that apparently he was telling the truth. Yeah, or there's some maybe truth not. Here. We don't know. Do we trust him? I don't know. Mm, that's a good question. I totally did. But that's, ooh, I got to get back on my toes. I'm so ready to like... <laughs> pinpoint everything Trav says and put it up on the murder board. I gotta be watching Clint, too. He's a rogue. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it'll be interesting to find out whether or not um, this backstory about losing his mother and, and being impoverished, how much of that is true. I think the I think right. the being impoverished is definitely true, since it does come up again later. Uh, yes. But the question is how much, how much else how is, much is true, it? and how much is he using to maybe obscure other things about his past that he doesn't want to tell anyone yet. Yes. Oh, I'm so excited. That's a great point. Everybody watch Argo. One, because he's beautiful. And two, because he might be up to something. And three, because he's your friend. Watch out for him. <laughs> and also watch your friend, the dear Fearbug. Still doesn't have a name. That's okay. Going to, of all classes, accounting with Bartholomus, which is the most hype class of all of Wigan Staff's school for camaraderie and friendship (laughs) yeah i i sort of assumed that this one was going to be difficult to sign up for yeah so i like the idea of justin's character being asked what he was going to sign up for being shown the choices and picking the only one that he didn't actually know what it was but that you know like i i don't know if see i think everybody everybody is probably young enough that when they were in college they were doing sign up online which is a different experience but back in the day (laughs) My rocking chair moment. <laughs> we gather around, sit on the floor next to you. You used to have to go to a message. It was like a message board, kind of like it was they physically what? had sheets posted on the wall and you had to be the first one to like get up there and write your name down. So what? I, I just, yeah, it, I have done this. It was only my, my first year, I think. But um, wow. I have done this where you had to like be in a physical place and be first to get to where you actually had to physically sign up. That's uh, amazing. Yeah, so, it, and it's and wild. And I think that would fit here. Yeah, I think I think that this is probably how it would work 
in a fantasy world would be something along those lines. So I like the idea of that basically he succeeded at signing up for the most popular class because he's just enormous. Yeah. <laughs> and no one could get around him. That's right. He just takes up just enough space where he, you know, if he's standing in front of this board and choosing what to sign up for, you're going to have to wait your turn. You wait until the fear bulk is done. <laughs> I, I just really like the idea of him just being giant and standing in front of this, this wall of classes yeah. to sign up for and just... <laughs> You know, yeah. thinking for a really long time and nobody can do anything about it. Right. Everybody around him is just kind of like murmuring like, I mean, I, I, hopefully I can get accounting. I'll see. Maybe that's it. <laughs> he heard somebody and he's like, oh, okay, accounting. Okay, I will do this. <laughs> and then he signed up for accounting. The hottest class in Wiganstaff school. Yeah, and we get some more backstory. Um, they, they touched on earlier about why accounting is so important. But um, yeah. Bartholomus gives us this this kind of story about how the the origin, the full origin of the heroes and villains system that it had to do with all of these kingdoms, like small kingdoms kind of being in competition with each other, either through like who's going to have the coolest festival or yeah, who's going to be the best at wars. Oh, yeah. And that it that it bankrupted them. So so now they're really sensitive about the money idea. But they need the heroes and villains to sort of keep things interesting because accounting is, in fact, pretty boring. Important, right. but boring. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of throwing all your money on a rager and mm-hmm. then being like, oh, we can't even pay for the thing that we just did. This was our plan to draw people to the town. Now, instead, it's, oh, we will just create something that generates economic growth but then at the same time isn't too lavish and over the top and i do like that yeah then that means part of the responsibility goes to the heroes and the villains to know how much they can spend Mm -hmm. how much how far they can go with their dramatics yeah it makes total sense when that's like the draw for your city an important an important skill for people in the arts yes yes (laughs) You got it. You got to know <laughs> and really, accounting and budgeting. <laughs> yeah, and really, what is this besides a one big play between heroes and villains? At least for now, that's how they're selling it to us. I did also very much enjoy uh, Travis sort of tossing out that there was heroes and villains merchandise. That there were merchandise sales based on the heroes and the villains, which makes sense. Yeah, but it also got me really excited about the possibility of there being in-universe style oh, merch. <laughs> yes, for these heroes and villains. Absolutely. So uh, ring is backwards. Let's do that. <laughs> I'm going to buy it. I'll design it. You know where to go. You know who to call. You have us on the red phone. Get at us. We love a merch opportunity. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think even even just that as a detail, um, this is this is a very this is an interesting universe. This is a different a different place than your kind of I mean, nothing against it, but your typical D and D universe where yeah. you know, the the sort of purpose of these conflicts is is more chaotic and less clear or, you know, right. really about world it's saving, usually, like yeah. Yeah, like a power grab or Mm-hmm. A struggle of some sort. Yeah, the idea of it being a lot more like pro wrestling is is very. That's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it basically is pro wrestling. Wow. Well, and that's actually kind of exactly what it made me think of. It made me yeah. think of the um, like just the beheader and everybody mm-hmm. in balance. As soon as you said merch, I was like, oh, you're right. And then it made me think <laughs> of like the Jeff Angel shirts and whatnot that oh, they no. would have at the Jeff Angel toys. And so I was like, oh, right. It, there's totally a pro wrestling feel to this entire world yeah and i think i think that that helps sort of conceptualize the idea of the villains also being at the school because right they're they're not villains per se they're they're heels they're exactly it's their it's job to be the bad guys yeah 
Which, again, I'm excited to see Rainier when she's in her full villain glory <laughs> when the day comes. She's yeah. going to be so good. <laughs> That's going to be good, especially with the skeletal squirrels. <laughs> yes. Speaking of squirrels. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> we have some important squirrel math to do ultimately in this class because poor, <laughs> poor... Furby, what are we going to call him? I don't know. I think in my notes, I wound up putting down FB, but that's usually what people use for Facebook. Yeah. So uh, we're going to get there. We're going to get we there. We will get there. <laughs> and you know, they even mentioned in this episode, one of them calls him Furby. And mm-hmm. I think Clint goes, that's good. Or somebody says, that's a good one. We did have that written on our potential names when we, we were did. doing our poll. I yeah. changed it with Big B at the last second, but I was like, oh yeah, Furby. That was one of, we did have it. <laughs> just didn't make it up there whatever we're gonna call him he's not having the best time with accounting yeah he's finding the concepts to be challenging i would say because he doesn't have any touchstone for understanding this no yeah (laughs) (laughs) this entire back and forth is so like you feel for bartholomus but you also Mm -hmm. feel for uh for uh, the furball who's just like why does it matter but then you know it does matter if you're in this society this is a very like you live in a society meme moment between (laughs) between him and bartholomus of uh trying to understand the way this other world works that's very different from his yeah it's not even just about getting him to understand accounting itself it's getting him to understand capitalism yeah yeah this society in which he now finds himself yeah yeah i i feel bad for the guy i mean this is a this is a difficult difficult situation to be in clearly that yeah this is not something that he's familiar with and i have to admit i don't know anything about accounting either so (laughs) nope I know. Even when he was like laying out the first problem, I'm like, I wait, what does that term mean? Yeah, I, I was don't. like, I'm not actually <laughs> sure that I know the answer to this question either. <laughs> I'm not a sexy accountant. I don't. I don't know what these words mean. Bartholomew's help. But yeah, I, I this was this was such a good bit with the uh, you know ultimately landing on this <laughs> metaphor with the squirrel and him still not understanding why he's taking the squirrel's tree and why they can't just share right. the tree. <laughs> he doesn't want to live there with you. It's just unheard of. So I guess the the big question from this scene is what is going to be the outcome over the course of over the course of this arc? Is Bartholomew going to break or? Ooh is uh, Justin's character going to understand accounting? I have written, by the end, he's going to be a fierce accountant. That was my guess. There's going to be some moment. It's going to be like endgame, and he'll be like, I've got this. And he'll know exactly how to tally up that money (laughs) just the way you need. It's either that or he's going to start like a socialist revolution. (laughs) Ooh, I like this too. I I guess we just have to wait. I guess. The good news is that he doesn't have to, the class is over and he gets to do something that's a lot more straightforward. Yeah. Luckily for both Bartholomew and our Fearbulg, the class is done. Gary yells at everybody to leave and it's time for lunch and then human shield training. It's still cracking me up that these two teachers are named Crushman and Jimson. It's <laughs> very cute and funny. And I'm like, we're, I love it. Great names. And we learn uh, the uh, the giant woman's name mm-hmm. is Ramos. Yes, yes. We were just awaiting awaiting a fan with a suitable name. Who will be the chosen one, <laughs> Ramos? 
You win. I guess it's very freeing knowing that I can't I can't have a character named after me because technically I already did. Because the murderer was yeah, already yeah. named after me. <laughs> <laughs> it will never die. I can't I can't uh can't outlive that coincidence unless I unless I change my name. I'm gonna have to legally change my name to something that sounds like a good fantasy name. Mm. Oh yeah. <laughs> Just for the chance. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> Yeah, speaking of names, I like that, uh, I think it was Crushman, or it might have been Jimson, I can't remember. Somebody calls uh, Fitzroy Fitz, and then, yeah. like, it's really super quiet, but just in the background, you just hear you just hear Griffin say, Every time. it's Fitzroy. <laughs> Every time. It's so, he's so good. He's on it. He's ready to correct. He's ready to be like, <laughs> and not in a, not in a, like, pushy, mean way, yeah. just in a kind of, like, muttering, at least to himself. Yeah. At least so he knows, it's Fitzroy. <laughs> I, this is a bit that I am I am always weak for and that I enjoy enormously. <laughs> it's so good. Even though I don't I don't generally advocate getting people's names wrong, but uh but yeah, this is um this this particular like whether or not you want a nickname. This is actually the it's the inverse of what of the running bit in uh, Hello from the Magic Tavern of Arnie being called Arnold and oh, correcting yeah. it to Arnie. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. He's not Fitz, he's Sir Fitzroy, but we're all going to keep calling him Fitz. Well, one, Fitz is just a very cute name. It is, yeah. Fitzroy is too, but it's just so easy. Oh, hey, Fitz. Oh, who's, who's, who's going to be teamed up with Rainier? Oh, it's Fitz. <laughs> I like even when she says it and he says Sir Fitzroy and she says Sir Fitz. And he's like, <laughs> well, better. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a good, you know, aside from it being funny, I think that it's a good microcosm of him trying to accept not getting the respect he deserves, I guess, from his perspective of, right. of people seeing him in a, in a different way than he sees himself, yeah. which is, you know, that's very much what his whole his whole deal is of, of that he saw himself as this really important person, as this person who was really far in his education. And yeah, he was on his way yeah, to something really great. Yeah, and now having to start over as somebody different and that that sort of struggle to. Uh, you know, I mean, it's hard enough to find your identity in the first place, but having to rediscover that. Yeah. He's going through some stuff right now. He is. And I think that this this little training session that we have here is another nice view at all three of them. Mm-hmm. We have the, the heroes versus the villains and their hench people and sidekicks are going to be defending mm-hmm. as they attack, which I love. This entire game is so fun. Fitzroy being paired up with Rainier. You hear when I think it's Zena is going to attack her, mm-hmm. and immediately Griff is like, "Oh, not on my watch!" <laughs> like, uh, uh-uh. uh. It's the same as when we were talking about him talking to his friends and trying to make the most of at least these two people he's got with him. Yeah, it's almost like I don't want to be here. I shouldn't be having to do human shield training, but I'm supposed to protect her. Damn it, I'm going to protect yeah. her. He has a lot of pride, but that's not necessarily the same thing as ego. Yeah, exactly that. Well, and the other fun part about this game is that we get to learn a little bit more about our other classmates. Mm-hmm. There's Mimi and there's Pip and Dip. Yeah, I I, I love Pip and Dip already. Just just uh, on principle. So great. <laughs> I can't wait for yeah. Arc of Them. I'm sure it exists and I just haven't seen it yet. <laughs> Yeah, I haven't seen any yet either, but I'm sure somebody is somebody is working on it. Yeah. And I also hope they are working on Mimi the tiny gnome with giant mechanical arms. Yeah, any anytime you are going to bring robotics, mechanics onto the playing field, I'm here. I'm here mm-hmm. for it. Mimi, I'm loving what you're bringing to the table. And the was Mimi defending Zena? It was the tiefling. Is Zena the tiefling? 
We will learn this. So. It's just going to Yes, because... We've got to make flashcards. We'll get there. We're going to totally get this. Yeah, mm-hmm. Argo was with Rhodes. Yeah, I think Zayn is the tiefling. Zayn is the tiefling. And then, yes, Mimi was defending Zayna. Which is, a again, like, speaking of art, that mental image is incredible. Right. <laughs> Especially considering that basically what they're playing is fantasy dodgeball. Essentially that, yeah. I like these rules. Again, with the defending, somebody else is defending and somebody else is attacking. I feel like I get the impression Trav had a lot of fun coming up with all of these things, even like yeah. coming up with the the roles for blame taking. And mm-hmm. who knows what else we're going to get into with accounting. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be just so wild and fun in that class. Yeah, I think he's he's having a lot of fun with the homebrew stuff, which is cool. Yes. I, I mean, I think you have these moments where your system can't do the thing you want it to do. And that can be very intimidating to try to come up with a solution or frustrating uh and the fact that he's he's leaning into it and being like wait i know how to do this and i know how to make this mm-hmm. fun that's that's yeah. really cool i'll make it work for what i want to do and, and this is also the scene where we get um clint or argo coining furby potentially for yeah. justin's character which i i said something on twitter but am i the only person who thought of the uh what's his name Thickolus, the the uh the thick furby the de- have you seen that the denim furby that's like super buff no this sounds like the wildest thing if you're just trying to anything that's a meme if you have to describe it verbally sounds absolutely buck wild you sound like you're out of your mind of course yeah i thought that this was a thing that everyone had seen but in the course of there being the long furby and all these other variations of the furby Furby. yeah yeah there was somebody who posted uh, a thick furby with two c's (laughs) effectively that's like it's like this really buff like denim patchwork body but just with like a furby face Oh, I, I, I can't wait to look this up. Which is and now share like like adjacent to my my canonical uh, vision of what <laughs> that's of what Justin's character looks like. Yeah, you know, I mean, it sounds fair from what we know of our fear bulg and what I'm hearing of this denim Kirby. <laughs> there might be a correlation here. This might have to be the name. They didn't. There wasn't like a pushback immediately. They no. tried Derek earlier. Yeah, and Derek he wasn't not, having yeah. it. Derek is no. That's a bad choice. <laughs> Derek the cat would be like, oh, well, excuse me. Yeah, I mean, it's too bad that uh, Brittany's not here for the name conversation because, like we talked about last time, apparently this is the naming thing. The naming conventions are very important to right, the concept to of these characters. Yeah. And so on the one hand, I kind of want them to play with that and have the naming be, you know, kind of like a finale thing, maybe. Something that it, happens. Yeah, of it yeah. being something important or, or maybe, you know, maybe before then, but it happening in a really important moment that we're not at yet. But then yeah. also it is really awkward not having anything to call him. So I, I kind of hope that they stick with Furby because I think that's cute and it works. Furby's um, very cute. I could see if it's a matter of, oh, he accepts a name because his friends come up with it. Or if like, if we're going to have little arcs as this story goes on, as we mm-hmm. saw with Balance and as we saw with Amnesty, if, um, it's hard to say when those are both arcs, but chapters, if yeah. at the end, say of like this first chapter, if something exciting happens and like, that's how he gets a name or chooses a name. Yeah, I do think he's going to need a, a temporary name in the meantime. Um, and that's not just for selfish reasons of it being difficult to take notes. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I didn't give him any little nicknames as I was writing here. Well, we'll see what happens. But unfortunately, they don't have any more time for uh, that kind of character development in this scene because Fitz has decided that he's going to cheat slightly, which is obviously acceptable if you're, <laughs> I would it. think it was acceptable if you're on the yeah. villain team. Um, I loved it. 
tries to use Mage Hand and Oof. accidentally Thunder Wave. What a great scene. Yeah. I can just, I can like picture the horror on his face like as soon as he uses the magic. Yeah. He knows what he did. He knows he fucked up. Yeah. I was kind of seeing this in like slow-mo of him reacting to what's happening as this wave goes out and is hitting all of these people. Yeah. It's basically everybody but Justin's character takes damage. I mean, to varying degrees, but everybody takes damage. Yeah. So... He's the only one that sort of stands there and and is unmoved by it. But I mean, that's that's a huge amount of of consequence for him with with his magic having this having this happen, especially because it sounds like Argo only has like nine hit points. Right. So somewhere around there. Yeah. So this could easily have killed him. With a bad roll. Or at least knocked him out. Yeah. But yeah, done some done some real damage to him. And, you know, even then he does take a little bit more damage because what a great move by Clint to be like, Argo luckily makes his roll, so he only, only takes half, and then helps Rhodes mm-hmm. make her roll, which is exactly what a great sidekick would do. Yeah. I really liked that moment. I thought that that was a really great choice on his part. Yeah, Argo is definitely the one who is the most committed to the concept of what they're doing at this point, that being a sidekick is important. That, like, this is what he's here for. Yeah. (laughs) It apparently hits him right in the nards. (laughs) He's really feeling it. I enjoyed Clint's performance in that very much. (laughs) Great, great voice work, everybody. We also got, it kind of went in and out a little bit, but I liked the accent for Argo that Clint was kind of playing with in this episode. Yeah. Just to toss that out there. Yeah, I noticed that he was he was mixing it up a little bit, which I think, you know, this is only the second episode. I think trying yeah. to find uh, your character's Figure voice um, literally and figuratively is is going to be a big part of this early on. Yes. And, I, and I also sort of like the idea of that he sounds more piratical the more he's sort of thinking about the ocean because it's kind of like uh, like being oh, a like southerner that. and going home and seeing your family oh, and like <laughs> the accent yeah. creeping in, you know. That's true. I had a friend in college who his... His mom was from England, but mm-hmm. he didn't have an accent until he got on the phone with her. And then it's like, oh, <laughs> right. He just like fell back into it because even though he grew up in America, he was raised in a house where he was essentially speaking with an English accent. So, yeah, I, yeah, I like that idea. I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah, I don't, I don't really have a Kentucky accent, but I, I think that early on when I started listening to the McElroys at first, oh, I think I found. Yeah, I mean, I think hearing the West Virginia <laughs> accent is close enough. Uh, it's not the same, sure. but it's close. Um, and I think I, I found them sort of immediately familiar, but not too familiar. But not, uh, not I found, familiar. It, found it very comforting, I think, um, subconsciously that, that their accent was, was yeah. similar. It was sort of that, that feeling of, uh, of home, I guess. Yeah. No, that makes total sense. So I'll be interested to see um, sort of where he lands, like where his comfort zone winds up being yeah. with his character moving forward. Yeah. I would like it if that was the case. I see my, my last note for the scene just says... Fitz is such a little twerp, and I don't know why I wrote that. <laughs> I think I know exactly why you wrote that. It's I think it might be because when they're like, okay, Fitz, Fitzroy, go see Festo, mm-hmm. go practice your magic, he responds with, I just want to point out this wouldn't have happened if I had gotten to test out, oh, essentially, yeah, yeah. of human shield training. <laughs> so I'm guessing that's why you called him a little twerp, yeah, which is I think completely was, fair. I think that was why. I think it was the, the subtext there was with love. <laughs> of course. Of course. he's a twerp. <laughs> he is. You're not wrong. He's our But twerp. he definitely has to go see Festo the fairy. Yes. Oh, my God. This entire scene... 
<laughs> Travis, goddammit, this is so funny. I was it deeply, remind- I was deeply unprepared for Travis's voice in oh this my scene. God. <laughs> it reminded me of the Amelie bit from oh, uh, yeah. Mabim Bam. Yeah, it is kind of <laughs> Just like the that. way he's making Festo talk. Also, if you picture this, you and I both have they're called ball jointed dolls, and yes. they're they're pretty big. They're like fashion dolls, and they're not huge, but they're about a foot and a half tall. So I was yeah. I mean, if you're like, thinking about a Barbie, they're enormous. Yeah, right. Compared to a Barbie, they're very big. Um, so I was kind of picturing essentially a man shouting at a doll. That's essentially <laughs> what's happening here. Yeah, is Fitzroy getting very frustrated? But not mean, just just a little frustrated yeah. with uh, this this very small a fairy who's on this table. <laughs> it was like this really like the voice. I think I saw somebody compare it to Elmo. Okay, that and, works. And too. I think I had not thought of Elmo specifically, but I definitely mentally, as he's having this whole conversation with this little fairy who's being kind of like a little Yoda esque, I guess, like like yeah. giving giving this actually pretty solid advice about about his magic and about trying to relate to it. But it was solid advice in like yeah. a cheeky way. But it felt like like the weirdest episode of Sesame Street on some level. <laughs> like I think in my mind, uh now Festo is a puppet and I can't turn that off. Oh, I love this. I love this. Everything's better with puppets. Well, hey, boys, if you ever do a live show in this universe and you need Festo, let me know. (laughs) Red phone, you know where to find us. (laughs) Also, the thing about Festo, like, there's so much to love about this character. Yeah. Festo's saying that fairies live in the moment Mm -hmm. and that they just want to party. I was like, also same. (laughs) Uh, So I'm with Fitz and being like, I love sweet crepes and I'm a failure. But also, living in the moment, we just want to party. Yeah. Let's go. This is great. I'm yeah. finding my place in this world with these people. It was it was an interesting uh, sort of spin to put on what was fundamentally a really serious scene because, yeah. and I, I think that it worked. I think the combination, I think that they, as a, as a group, they excel at and their experience is in mixing comedy and seriousness. Completely um, agree. But I thought in, the, in this scene it was particularly effective because we find out the rest of Fitz's backstory which is that he didn't just wash out and we like we knew that it had something to do with his magic but what happened was he was in his last semester he Uh. was training under the top person at the school and he accidentally turned her into a catfish (laughs) (laughs) he catfished her I uh even that is a perfect mix of that like here's a serious thing that happened also it's funny because I catfished her yeah you know you already feel bad at least I did I already felt bad for Fitzroy mm-hmm. and his situation and then yeah you hear how close he was and you're like can you imagine being so close to the thing you wanted it's like of course he had his title memorized of course he's constantly correcting people because he worked I would guess really hard to yeah. get all of that and was so close to it being just the way he was addressed and now everything's different yeah I mean and I think it it helps um contextualize what like i said comes across as ego but i think is really pride that that yeah. he was he was really successful at this school this was a this was a a very prestigious school and he was in a prestigious position and he was almost there like he was almost at the so goal close. like the only thing that he ever wanted and then uh-huh. everything goes sideways so like of course he has this antagonistic relationship with the concept of having magic now like how could you not yeah, of course. Yeah, it makes total sense when, you know, he's he can't wield it well because he doesn't like it. He doesn't want it. He hates yeah. and fears this magic that he has. 
Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think that um, Festo's response to this of like, you have to learn to love your magic. So mm-hmm. the way we're going to do that <laughs> is we're going to use this spell for you to have a familiar, to have this like physical um, like characterization of, of what your magic is. Um, I love it. So I, I do have to confess that I was out loud alone in my room as as uh, as Travis was listing off the possibilities of familiars. And I should uh-huh. have been thinking about like, hmm, I wonder what Griffin's going to pick. I was chanting crab, 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 crab. <laughs> of course you were. That doesn't surprise me at all. So I was extremely delighted that that was what he went with. I mean, I think I think it tracks as a character choice as well. Like, I mean, I don't I don't know how... Uh, I mean, Griffin obviously didn't really have time to think about it, but the idea of, yeah. I mean, crabs are kind of fundamentally antagonistic. True. So I think it makes sense for him to pick something kind of, you know, hard the, and snippy. <laughs> yeah. Like it has almost like a very obvious, very front facing defense mechanism. Yeah. Don't get too close to me yeah. is what a crab's body is telling you. <laughs> <laughs> when I heard the list, I was like, ooh, well, I would I would want a snake. But that's mm. just because I've always wanted a pet snake. So. Yeah. <laughs> but I would not. I don't think it would have fit for him in this moment. But I like the idea that it can change shapes. Yeah, I think that was a that was a good choice because aside from the fact that it means Griffin's not being put on the spot to pick something that, you know, I don't know, is going to be merchandise or whatever, you know, or it's just sure. that they have to commit to, but also that it, it opens the door for if his character grows and changes that his familiar can grow and change as well if he chooses. Absolutely. That's the other thing too. It, this is another moment where I'm like, oh, by the end, he's going to love this little familiar. <laughs> and even in this moment, he pretends to and says he's going to kiss it. And I, this is, again, where it just keeps being so funny with Festa <laughs> being like, nope, that's fake. That's that's performative. <laughs> just cracking me up. Travis, terrific job. Yeah. Thank you for the gift that is Festo. I love that he tries to, Fitz tries to leave it in the room and it just follows him. <laughs> so cute. I've only known this crab for 45 seconds and I would already die for it. Exactly. <laughs> If anything happened to this crab, I'd kill everybody in the school <laughs> and then myself. <laughs> I do. I'd like to picture it like he started walking away and it's scuttling after him. Then he's like, oh, God. Oh, you're hungry. Fine. And then he's like picking it up like, OK, fine. You can come with me. Yeah. Down to the tavern where everybody else is getting their drink on. And Trav knew. Trav knew we wanted to get to this tavern. He did not keep us waiting. Episode two and we're already here. <laughs> Thank you again, Travis. Everybody wanted to go to the tavern. I'm sure. We had How could to. you not? As soon as he brought it up, we're like, hold up. There's a tavern There's a tavern in the basement of the school. Why aren't <laughs> we there at this moment? It does seem like Fitz is going to have uh, a bit of work to do to try to try to patch things up a little bit with his classmates after yeah. after this incident, yeah. which presumably is not going to be the last incident. Oh, not until he can love this crab. He's going <laughs> to... I'm sure there's going to be a couple more... Uh, yeah flubs here and there yeah he has to love this crab so he can love himself there you go if you can't love this crab if you can't love yourself how in the hell are you gonna love somebody else can i get an amen well and i thought that he was maybe going to buy their next round of drinks yeah but then they were like oh it's argo's turn and here's what i really liked about the scene that we're going into Mm -hmm. that as argo is going up to the bar travis gave clint like a free pass to dismiss monetary concern yeah. But Clint is staying so real to Argo that he's still like, no, no, if you have to pay back your tab at the end, yeah. he's still going to be concerned about that. I really liked that. I thought that was really a 
a, a neat choice by Clint. Yeah, because then it's an active character choice, not just concern about a game mechanic, yes. which it could have been. So I, I exactly. do think that Argo's story, I think that part of it was definitely true. 100%. That's where it was like, oh, yeah, he meant it when he was saying that coin would have meant yeah. something to him. Yeah, and I like that um, in terms of his relationship with other characters as well of being, um, you know, the only one at the school potentially who's really concerned about this, that everybody else is just kind of like, oh, we get to take advantage of all this great stuff and it's totally fine. And, you know, I think I think being the only one who's concerned about your finances, like is a really specific feeling that I think is relatable to pretty much everybody. Yeah, most people have been there at least in some point or another. Yeah, yeah. I think it I think it will give him a lot to work with. Totally agree cuz obviously there's way more we got to learn about Argo. Mhm. He's got secrets. He's got secrets. As Jackal, the sneakery teacher, did I make that up? That's what my note yeah, says. Yeah, no, that's who that's who Jackal nice. is. Yeah, the Kenku. Although tra- the way Travis says it it really sounds like Kinku with a with an That's I. what I thought he said. <laughs> <laughs> Kinku. Which is cute. I kind of like I kind of like it that way. But yeah, I, it is an E. So I, gu- I guess it's Kinku. I don't know. Kinku. Uh, how do you pronounce this non-existent race? <laughs> we don't know. I don't know. This is this is like a pin pen situation, I think. <laughs> mm. Now, what is a Kinku? I neglected uh, to look kenku it up. Kinku are the, um, they're basically birds. So they're like uh, crows or ravens. Um, I think they're specifically oh. supposed to be ravens, but they're big. I mean, they're not like enormous. They're like, I think they're supposed to be about two and a half or three feet. Um, okay. I think in in the actual guidebook, I think maybe they, they sometimes they don't have language skills. So oh. I, I think I think maybe they've made an exception on that. But I, I this is not my area of expertise, so I don't know. But yeah, they're they're basically like really big bird people got it I well they're think big by bird standards but it's small by people it's standards. like comparing a bj dude to a barbie <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> so a kinku compared to a regular raven is much bigger yeah i think my friend has a character of that i remember seeing yeah. her cute like raven girl with the coins all around her i was like oh that's yeah a they're character. relatively i think they're a relatively recent race um okay written a recent addition to to D, but um, but yeah, they're they're cool. Uh, they're cool characters that have sort of risen in popularity recently. I mean, how could they not? They're little bird people. I love a little bird person. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one of my favorite boys of my year academia is a bird person. <laughs> <laughs> he would look like a kinku, I think, sort of. Yeah, there is one in another uh, D&D actual play podcast that I am uh, listening to called uh, Rude Tales of Magic. <laughs> This is a very new show. They're on oh. like their third episode. Okay, but it's it is kind of like a if you if you happen to be you know you need more D and D fix uh, with know? this Taz being biweekly, um, it is a, a similar vibe I would say of that um, you know sort of comedic fun but character based. Love it. Yeah, they've got they've got a little bit of a McElroy vibe going on. Cool. Yeah, but he's the 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 Kenku in that it happens to be my favorite character as well. Uh, so I mean, I'm, again. Excited. Bird people. Yeah, I'm excited to see more of, of Jackal, especially since uh, we've got some real big mysteries, it sounds like, since there is somebody named Mariah, yeah. and uh, he's left something further, I guess, either to indicate what he wants him to do next or something else he knows about him, we don't know which, that when he leaves the, the bar after this very mysterious scene that there's these two overlapping rings and the words rain and stone, which is extremely mysterious. 
Yeah, written on this little napkin that luckily Argo does take with him. Yeah. So part of me also wonders if he's the teacher. I'm like, oh, wouldn't it be funny if this was like that one episode of Community? Like there's this whole huge conspiracy theory with the one class that Jeff is supposed to be taking or Jeff kept lying about his extra classes he was taking. Regardless, it was yeah. this whole big play. <laughs> and, and, and they like are pretending to shoot each other and everything. So I'm like, <laughs> what if this is all just a huge performance for the class. I don't think that is the case, but I was like, what if though? What if this is just how the teacher meets his future students, <laughs> pretends to have dirt on them, and then is like, ah, welcome to class. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely going to be interesting to see where they go with that, especially since Argo, he doesn't just take this. He he takes it very he quickly, does. like he wants to yes. hide it so no one else sees it. So he's a, he, he must have gotten into some trouble. Some kind of serious trouble, I think, before he came here. I'm guessing that is the case, yes. That this is an actual, oh no, what, yeah. what is Argo's story before this? And maybe that does, maybe going back to us talking about the Commodore, maybe that's part of it. If Argo's suddenly like, I want to be out on the sea. Mm-hmm. I want to be gone from wherever I used to be. I don't know. Or that's maybe what people do. Uh-huh. the Commodore killed his mother and he's got to <gasps> get close to him so that he can get his revenge. Get some revenge. We have no idea. (laughs) This is all. The Commodore (laughs) is his brother. (laughs) (laughs) We're just, now we're just making up soap opera plots at this point. (laughs) Wildly speculating at this point. (laughs) That's what our show is here for. One thing we do know for certain uh, is that Fitz's crab likes pretzels. (sighs) Oh my gosh, so cute. I just imagine like a little sort of like glittery i picture it being like blue and like a little bit wispy Mm. sitting on the table just chawing down on pretzels (laughs) everybody's kind of playing with it a little bit having their beers i like it it's cute it's a cute scene we and and this is where we this is where we leave it we're talking Mm -hmm. about where to what to name this crab snippy clippy (laughs) like dippy and tippy and maybe your dear fear bug will be ippy. <laughs> I love that you could hear Justin trying to be like, what other goofy name can I toss in here? Ippy. And that's where we close out. A fade out on sweet friends at the having drinks in a tavern, in a school's yes. tavern. But with some some dark pass. Something slowly. Living. Slowly catching up with them, potentially. Ooh, that's it. That's the picture. It's the shot and then it like the angle widens and you can just see sort of like a dark shadowy vignette around Mm. the outside yeah that's it who knows what's gonna happen next (laughs) well is there anything that we forgot to mention that we want to bring up now i do not think so oh um did we mention the dread lord mary berry who will oh yes i was like i know there's something that was it (laughs) That was it. That made me laugh so hard. Also, yes, Sink You to the Soggy Bottom was so genius. <laughs> These boys are just too good. Yeah, I, I kind of hope that this somehow becomes oh, canonical, please, that there's some excuse or opportunity to uh, to make that happen. I absolutely, the Dreadlord Mary Berry needs to be a for real character in this game. I just, I demand <laughs> it. I think the audience demands it. Well, I mean, we have to have one weirdly miscast celebrity in every arc of course right? because we've course. had we've had uh we've had tom, tom Bodette Bodette. and ryan gosling yeah mary berry you're up it's time for you <laughs> and if anybody listening has not watched the great british bake-off one it's terrific to just what a nice calming show to have on and then two mary berry is hilarious she'd probably guessed <laughs> 
I bet you could talk her into it. I bet you could get Mary Berry on the show. (laughs) (laughs) All right, then that brings us to the poll. Okay, get your bets ready. If Fitz hadn't blown out the Human Shield training, which remaining duo do you think would have won? We'll have that poll up over on our Twitter at Romancing Zone. And we will see everybody back here in, I think, two weeks? We'll see. The holidays are coming up. We'll see how it goes. Regardless, till then, thanks so much for joining us. I'm Nell Bailey. And I'm Ann Kern. And we've been Romancing the Zone. Mm